Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week, we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week, we watched The Post, directed by Steven Spielberg and released in 2017. The plot of the movie goes something like this. In 1971, the owner and editor of the Washington Post fight to publish top-secret papers showing the U.S. government's mishandling on the Vietnam War. Yeah, and as we've been doing for most movies, we'll do a little spoiler-free section up front, and then we'll head into spoilers later. So, Katie, should people see the post? Yeah, definitely. Um, this is a really, really well-made movie. It's really good. Um, it isn't my favorite of the stuff that's up for the Oscars, but it is really good. And obviously it's really good. It's Spielberg and Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. Like the caliber of people in this movie is so high already. Mm. But I feel like the casting was good across the board. It can be a little bit hard to follow at times. It's very talky. It feels like an episode of The West Wing to some extent. Yeah, and it expects you to have a lot of knowledge about the period, which like I have a basic knowledge of Watergate. I have I had no idea this even happened. And I have some basic knowledge about like – the American 60s and 70s yeah. and Vietnam and stuff. But I, I did find it hard and it's deliberately like the characters. One thing I thought was really good in this movie and I really enjoyed it and it plays to a lot of movies I like. I am a fan of, you know, all the president's men and what's the other one? The the Watergate one, the famous Frost one. Frost Nixon? No, no, the one. I thought that was all the president's men oh, was maybe the it famous is. Watergate one. Well, whatever it is, I'm a fan of that movie. I'm a fan of movies that are like this. I'm a fan of the West Wing and political shows and things mm-hmm. like that. So it plays to a lot of my personal things but I thought this was a really good movie and I thought that one of the real strengths of it was the characters like talk like real people Mm. across one another they have trouble like remembering what they were going to say they they're talking to each other as if they're saying it for the first time the acting is excellent in that respect in a lot of ways it is hard to keep up sometimes and like it took me ages to realize that like I saw Bruce Greenwood at the start and he was the secretary and then she saw Robert McNamara and he was Bruce Greenwood and I was like, wait, what? Oh, Robert McNamara is still the secretary of whatever defence. And um, it took me like some of those connections between these, these actors or this is this person at this point. You have to work for it, which I kind of like. I like having to work for it a bit. Um, and I think it's, it's a really good, solid movie, top quality dad content and also just like good as a good piece of entertainment, meaty entertainment. I will say this as somebody who doesn't know a lot about Watergate or any of this stuff. I did find it a little bit sort of confusing, but not to this extent I think that you did. I just sort of picked up clues from the movie as it went along. But, um, yeah, it could. I think it could be a little bit kind of confusing. I think it might might have been even more confusing if I had known a bit more and knew who all those people were. Mm. But for me, I was just accepting things as they came. Yeah, I think I, I, it actually helped me that I didn't – know a lot about this and I think the I mean the reason this movie's being made right now is I'm um, partly because Spielberg's got some things he wants to say about the press but also it sort of it, and the politi- like and yeah. the politicians yeah but I, I I think it's also like I mean there's a lot of big newspaper leaks going on at the moment newspapers are really struggling to survive and that's what this movie is about but I think also it's I think it's a really interesting thing to t- story to take on in that this doesn't take on the more famous case that Kay Graham and Ben Bradley were involved in, which is the Watergate scandal, mm. although we do set up for that at the end of this movie. I've never seen a movie like this set up for a sequel before. Yeah, it's kind of cool. And I, that I is think, a spoiler, though. I think going going into spoiler for 48-year-old 
47 not year for this old movie stuff i didn't know they were going to do that in oh i did actually i heard that i mean before, well, but i mean I, I still feel like that's kind of a spoiler for this movie if you didn't know that that was going to happen spoiler for movie, history it could be fun but um like I, I think it does expect you to know that the washington post got the watergate story a couple of years later and so like this sort of the way they had to learn to be brave in a slightly not 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 like it felt like it to them but in a slightly lower stakes sort of case a couple of years earlier mm. i think that it's the good it's the kind of meaty story to tell you know what distracted me no this is not oh okay let's go into spoilers because we're okay. going already too far but go yeah. and see the post it's great yeah go and see it this is not remotely interesting to anybody else you know when he gets the purple ball yes that her grant for her, her, her granddaughter's granddaughter, playing with that to me looked like too modern a toy to I have in the seventies, and I was like, "Were they really around in I the seventies?" I wanted that too because I remember those toys when I was a kid in like the late eighties, early nineties. They look but like late eighties, early nineties. They were toys. very like plasticky, and I wondered the same thing. Like that bright of a plastic in nineteen seventy one seems I don't I don't know. Spielberg would know he was. He was around then. He was a kid then. Yeah. Or no, but he was you know young then. He's he's a bit older than our parents. Yeah. Age. So he was like he would have been early twenties or something. Yeah. Um, I yeah. didn't mean it in quite that sense. Like but a he kid would who know, would play right? But he would know. I just was. It was it distracting. Was, yeah. No, I totally, <laughs> totally agree. It was such I, a weird. Moment. I had the exact same thought go through my head. I felt like it was like it, it was like a Monty Python movie where like a prop from now had bounced onto set and they mm, were playing mm. with it or something it was just weird yeah yeah I'm, but, I'm so glad it wasn't just me no it was so strange to me but yeah i mean i don't know the post um is definitely a movie that i mean is explicitly a movie that spielberg has made urgently now because mm. of the current situation in the white house and its relationship yeah. with the press mm-hmm. and the struggles of the press and everything like that yeah 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 and, and the washington post is not quite the newspaper it was in this time either i was reading about it afterwards and i discovered that they the family the graham family sold it to um the amazon guy oh yeah that's right only a few years ago oh i mean i think they're still getting scoops and stuff but yeah it was basically bought by the amazon guy as like a a, almost like a vanity project yeah but but um uh allison Bree's daughter ended up running it for a while uh, after k graham retired Alison Bree's daughter. Um, well, I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's just funny because I, I can't be bothered looking up her name. Like, they all work in journalism still. And they did stay involved for a while after Kay got older. Maybe Alison Bree could be our contender for an actress who's in the most Oscar nominated movies. Yeah, year. she's getting close. She's in Disaster Artist. I feel like she was in something else we've seen recently. Mm-hmm. Although I have been watching Glow, so I might be getting mixed up. But yeah, uh, one of the things I did like about this movie was how, like, it wasn't just the main stars that were really good. It's all these, like, character actors who mm. were in other roles. Bob Odenkirk is really, really good in really this movie. Really good, yeah. He's so real. Yes. Oh, like, so, yeah, he's a, fantastic. A little over the top in the fumbling, but mm. still, like, when he's trying to strap in the government secrets yeah, yeah. on the plane and stuff like that, feels so kind of like mm. a real person. Oh, yeah. Um, and when he gets really scared when jesse plemons is facing him down about his source instead mm. of just heroically standing up and saying no i won't tell you he's like genuinely scared of this mm. possibility is really good to see yeah. like i like yeah. that there's Cause not he's, he's well because he's fighting between his journalistic instincts and the fact that his bosses are standing up for him but if this goes south they're the ones who go to jail yeah and, and like you you see that conflict there exactly and like it's interesting to put him in opposition 
um, with Matthew Reese's character, mm. who is like, I will do the right thing no matter what. Mm. He doesn't see himself as that guy. No. But he kind of ends up being that guy. And it's not really the main story, but it does take a certain kind of person to leak that kind of information. Yeah. And it, and, the, and the movie's quite serious about that. I know your dad, when he saw this movie, was kind of annoyed that Ellsberg didn't get a bigger role. No, that's, that, that was something I read Sorry, on the it was a, a reviewer. Sorry. Like no, my dad was thrilled with it. It's all about newspaper men. Yeah, <laughs> like um, he was a newspaper man. This is yeah, this yeah. is his absolutely his dream um, movie. But like, it really does take a certain type of person to do that kind of leaking. And mm. most people aren't particularly brave. They make the best decision they can on the day with the information that they got, and they don't aren't particularly ideological. Like you can see that Kay has a real conflict between the fact that she's in high society in Washington, she socializes everywhere. It's really she's got all these friends and these huge networks, and that helps the paper. But also, she can't be too attached to those networks because that doesn't help the paper. And I think the like that there's that also conflict. a question of loyalty mm. that this movie plays with because she mentions not just that these people are her friends, but um, McNamara helped her through a really difficult time right. as and a personal friend. Right, and so she's torn between the loyalty to him for genuinely being a good person to her mm. and doing something that is really damaging to the country that she has a responsibility to report on. Uh. Like it's not just about like her status, but about these genuine connections with people mm. that she has. Yeah. And it's a real kind of dilemma that they have. And they co the central conflict is around the press and the government have had too cozy of a relationship. And it's a time – and again, carefully picked time, very much like our own, where there's been a few years where the press and the government had a bit of a better relationship and now that has gone completely south. Hmm. Um, and it's about sort of living the pain, the, you know, the birthing pains of living through history, yeah. living through a big change like that. What is it? The the news is a first rough draft of history. Yes, which apparently was um, what something Philip Graham said. I, I'll, I don't know. I'd have to look that up. I'm sure they did. I don't know. But, yeah, that was like, I mean, I, well, it's a well-known saying, but I, I didn't know that was attributed to Philip Graham. Another thing that um, my father talked about was the fact that Philip Graham cheated on his wife before committing yeah. suicide, yeah. Um, which was not addressed in this movie. No, no. Um, no. And neither is the fact that been... the reason Alison Brie and the kids are living with her is because her husband had left her. Um, and they were, I thought that was yeah. the case. Like, it, it's I, not it sort of implied. explicitly said. It's just yeah. implied, yeah. But I kind of liked that they didn't dwell on that one because no. it's, it means that there's just a really good strong relationship right. between two women that doesn't have yeah. to be explained by the absence of a and man. And this is almost 10 years later as well. Like the husband died 10 years ago. Mm. She's moved on with her life. She's, yes. you know, Catherine Graham's single woman running the paper. It, it's part of her life, but it's not her whole life. Yeah. The thing though that this, this movie is very, very aware of women's interactions in male-dominated mm. spaces mm. and, like, how women are socialised and how differently Catherine Graham was socialised to her daughter, mm. but even her, but her daughter is still part of this, like, when the men start po talking politics, the women leave the room. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a shift. It's a time that's shifting but also still not shifted yet. Mm. And, well, Sarah Paulson as well. Yes. Uh, playing Tom Hanks's wife, who is, like, the unsung hero of this this show because this movie because they like dis all, the, all these journalists descend on her house and she sh and then her daughter like shills lemonade which I'm just like that was adorable that little gag 
of the little girls selling it's lemonade. It's such a Spielberg note, but it's really fun. Yeah. Uh, but but Sarah Paulson, like, pulls out sandwiches and drinks and dinner for mm. 20 people. Like, and it's – you actually – you don't see the labour so much, but you do see it. Like, she says, do I need to get anything? When are the people coming over? And he's like, oh, well, typical man fashion. Her husband's like, oh, we'll figure it out. But she goes in, you see her count the people, you mm. see her bring the sandwiches and you see them eating dinner later on as well. So she's made them dinner too. And like she's a goddamn hero because she also in a like anti-mansplaining scene explains to her husband what's at stake for Kay. But also not just what's at stake for Kay but her own position in the society mm. that he's in in a really kind of interesting way by by using Kay as the example. Yeah, because she's, she's a creative woman with her own, like, career. She's a painter, right? Yeah. And she may not be a professional or, or whatever, but she loves to paint and he's very supportive of her or, or making art. He's supportive of that. You actually see that they have this great married people moment where they just, like, they're just hanging out in her studio and he just automatically start knows what to unfurl this canvas here and pick this up and move here. Like, they have a real mm. kind of that thing where people have been married a while kind of move in sync together and that that scene just goes really well like he's obviously supportive of this creative wife but she's still the wife at home making sure they eat well, taking was, care of the daughter all that sort of stuff it was more about the fact that she explicitly says to him when your opinion is ignored for this long mm. and people tell you that's your place yeah it's very hard not to accept it yeah and she's clearly struggling with that in this movie too because mm. she is this supportive wife but at the same time she's like well why do I have to do all this stuff? Yeah. Um, which is really interesting. Um, and I love seeing Meryl Streep sort of playing that as well because Meryl Streep would have been a young woman about in this era. So she would remember what it was like to be around in the early 70s and be an adult. And she, she the character work she does on Kay is really good. Kay doesn't always speak up. She doesn't always feel confident to speak up. In fact, yeah. confidence is a real problem for her even though she's – the boss and quite powerful and she's always the best prepared person in the room. It's not just a confidence. It's it's a situational confidence. So when she's mm. at a party and it's at her house and she is in her comfort zone, mm. she will stand up in front of a hundred people and give a speech no problem, mm. right? But sitting in a boardroom where she's surrounded by 20 men and she's the only woman and that um, the her hesitation, her – the way you can see on her face when she, she's she got a really high, finely honed sense of when to speak and when not to speak, but also when to actually, like, she she'll, she won't always speak up, but when she has to, she'll, you know, stand up and, and pick her moments. So she's very got a very um, finely honed sense, which I think of that generation of women have a lot more than our generation does, who were brought up at a later sort of stage in a different world where she's got a really – finely tuned sense of how to play the men. I disagree with that assessment of her entirely. I think that at the beginning of this movie, she has all these ideas and they keep ignoring her and mm. she just stops trying, right? She f gives up. She lets Fritz say the things that she wants right, to say that start. she wrote, that she had the idea for. And then you see her develop that over the course right. of the film. Yes. So I don't think that she's got this really finely tuned sense of anything she, finally she just tunes it over the course of the movie but even then she doesn't she just finally just decides she's going to do it mm. she has a moment where she goes no i'm tired of just letting bradley whitford walk all over me mm. or whoever it is in the room at that time i, I um, just i really appreciated though a 
quote-unquote strong woman in a movie, like the boss, actually being allowed those moments of self-doubt. And I the, do too. Yeah. But I just don't think – I just disagree with your assessment that it's due to some kind of like that she's honed this – I don't think she has. I think she's just too intimidated and too – like she's – been put in her place so many times yeah. she doesn't feel like she's given up on trying to yeah, she, yeah exactly and no, I, I got that, that, that sense at the start but I also got the sense that as the movie went on she grew in her sense of herself as the boss and was able yeah, to yeah but I don't know that she has any moment where she's like she knows when to listen and when to speak up because at the end of the movie like she, what she's doing is taking everybody's opinion at the beginning of the movie she takes in everybody's opinion goes to Fritz he tells her what to do and she does it mm. Then the big turning moment is when she's on the phone and all the other guys are on the phone. Yeah, and she tells them to, well. And she d- goes against what Fritz says. Yes. Yeah. That's her big kind of, her big, like yeah. her initial big moment. But then finally at the end of the film, everybody keeps talking over her and she puts her hand up in front of Bradley Whitford's face mm. and she says, no, I'm talking now. Mm. I'm reclaiming my time. Um, <laughs> but that's what she does. Like she has to kind of, you see the steps that get her to the point where she just stops feeling like she has to listen to everybody else's opinion because you see her her buckle under that pressure at the beginning she hears she's overhearing them talking about her but then she comes out and she says to bradley whitford thank you for your honesty Mm. in the end of the movie she goes well you shouldn't be working for me if you don't believe i'm the boss so there's this big kind of this big arc for her that takes little several little moments there's just no i don't feel feel like there's a sense of like when she should speak i I get that the way that arc plays out, I think, feels very true to a woman of that generation's experience of life. Mm. I really think she's, it probably happened to her, but it probably happened to a few other women sort of coming into their own power in the same era. Mm. And I think that felt very real and very true, despite the fact Mm. that this was a male written, male directed movie. Um, I thought that came across really well. And she becomes emboldened by the first time she speaks up. Mm. And then she can do it again. And then yeah. she talks to her daughter and her daughter kind of encourages her to speak up. Mm. Um, and there are also lots of little moments with her where she can see that other women are encouraged by her speaking yes. up. Like when she goes to the stock exchange and all the women who work there have gathered outside the trading floor. Mm. And, they're, and they're probably all like secretaries and like not, not even allowed on the floor at that mm. point. Um, and But they've all gathered because they know that Kay Graham is coming that day. Yeah, exactly. So – yeah, she kind of becomes emboldened by these things yeah. and and, um, and realises she's making a difference for, like, her daughter yeah. and other, other women. And she plays it all so nicely. Like, you can just see all these – and it's such a – I said I saw something about them, Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep grandstanding, and I'm like, <sighs> this was – these were so not grandstandy roles. He's Tom been- Hanks a little bit, but, like, not in a – I mean, he's just – angrier and louder yeah yeah but it still feels very much like a real person and meryl streep feels so much like a real person like she feels so much like a real woman Mm. that you would know who's older and who's been put in their place but has this power that she doesn't fully understand Mm. and all these things all these like details about her like outfits that she wears and how she moves in them and everything Mm. like all these details there's this big difference between what she's like in one outfit and what she's like in another and things like that. Yeah, and the, the little suits she has for the office and then when she is in a comfort zone, like her party at her house with her friends, she's in this super comfortable caftan mm. that's been like – that she doesn't – you don't have to – a caftan is a wonderful outfit. You don't have to worry about if you put on a few kilos or and you're, you're supremely comfortable in that. You put leggings on underneath if you're cold. Nobody will notice. And like – 
the difference with that and what she wears when she goes to work where she's very much heels, tights, a tailored skirt and a tailored suit. Sometimes pants. Proper blouse, um, very like <laughs> different. Although all her clothes are clearly like tailored for her and, mm. and very much quite conservative, very much for a woman of her age and status and era and wealth mm. and all that. Um, but yes, the way she moves in a, in a, one of the pencil skirts as opposed to the way she moves in that caftan. I or the trousers, the tr- the in fact the very waspy trousers and, mm. and white shirt without a real collar that she wears to McNamara's house, and he's he's in also in khaki trousers and a, a polo shirt, and it's a weekday, so mm. they've both deliberately been dressed like that on a weekday mm. to go to their to his home. Yeah, um, that scene was really good too. Mm. Um, Bruce Greenwood really kind mm. of showed up for this. He really <laughs> sometimes did. sometimes he confounded it a little, but he really showed up. Uh, McNamara is a really interesting man in his own kind of right. He was a star of an Errol Morris documentary about 15 years ago called The Fog of War, oh, yeah. which I think we watched at uni. I didn't, um, but I remember it being on the syllabus for other terms. So I, I think I watched I it at uni. It I think I actually existing. voluntarily want, went to watch it at the cinemas. And he, it's very self-justifying. It's a very – like because he was an older man, old man by then and he was – in a lot of cases he's trying to justify what he did and Morris is showing that up against like what actually happened mm. um, and while McNamara tells his story. But – he you also, see that in this too. Yeah. And what you get out of that is a very big sense of McNamara always writing his legacy while he's doing the job mm. and he's always kind of like outside of himself trying to justify what he's doing but also but – he, and he, I think also there's like this – this the, the classic politician conflict between like decency on an individual level mm. and the ambition and politics – He's and he clearly a very intelli- intellectual. Intelligent. Well, I was going to say more intellectual. Yes, um, because he's very he's very much like constantly thinking about and ad- and not addressing, um, assessing what he's doing as he does it. Mm. But he needs to find a way to justify what he's doing to himself, and that's why he does the investigation. Mm. Also, that teal shirt really brought out Bruce Greenwood's blue eyes, and it looks yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought that was great. There's also some like really um, unselfconscious work from like David Cross and a couple mm. of other people in this mm. who kind of are almost unrecognizable. I didn't recognize him until about a third of the way in, and then I heard, saw him talk, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I would have <laughs> Tobias Fumke. I would have loved to see. Him. I know I'm super biased on this, but I would have loved to see more of Judith, um, yeah. who was Jesse Muller yeah, um, yeah. from Waitress. Who, yeah. who was actually not just, I think, not just because I'm biased, but also because she was a voice in that newsroom that was clearly really interesting. Mm. But you don't get to – you only she only really gets one scene. Yeah, the um, the woman who's head of editorial, I don't know what the actress's name was. Um, she Was that Tracy Letts? Um, so, according to IMDb, Tracy Letts is a man. Oh. She was playing Fritz. That was the first name – that I know. Was okay. I know. That was the first name that looked female so after Meryl Streep, so I think, assumed that might be the person. So I think it's Carrie Coon, actually. Oh, yeah, it's Carrie yeah. Coon. It is too. Um, and so she got God, a, I didn't recognize her. No, I know. She got a She again reminded me of BB Newell. Well, well, Carrie Coon, though, is a really good, is actually a character actress. Yeah, I know she, who she is. Yeah. But I mean, no, I mean, we were talking, I don't know if on air or not, but we were talking about the. That there's lots of that guy actresses, yeah. but there's not a lot of that woman actresses, and she is one of the that woman kind of character actors. 
Yeah, she was the she was the sheriff in Gone Girl. Yeah, yeah. Or the sister. Sister, Ben sister, Affleck's sorry, sister. The sister in Gone Girl. Um, <laughs> yeah. So she got the louder voice, but Judith was like, I mean, the whole movie starts with the phone call from the White House saying Judith's not going but going to the Nixon wedding because she said something bad on the social pages about us. Yeah. And there's a, there's a little bit of commentary that they don't really dig into about like social pages style section what women's journalism versus hard news quote unquote and yeah i would have wouldn't have minded to see a little bit more of her me too because partly I because she's i would like to see how she like we see the photos from the nixon wedding come through but i would have actually like wouldn't have minded to see a little bit of her process in doing that a little bit more of it because as most of the process is like the men tell her what to do and then she goes off to do it she's one of your broadway babies um of which there are i think a couple in this oh. movie. i mean Obviously, everybody wanted to work on this movie because it's Spielberg. So, literally, everybody is in this movie. But you can see how they mine Broadway for movies, watching Keela <laughs> Settle be in one and then Jesse Muller be in another one, just this close together in these big movies. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's I also think to that me. Broadway, uh, there's a lot more money in making – like, for a character actor, Broadway person, it's, there's – there's money in Hollywood. Yes. Like, but, no, I just thought she was actually really interesting. Like, mm. je- like I was – interested in her character in that first scene she kept trying to defend herself against these guys who kept going at her mm, and mm. and they didn't you know let up at all and i would have liked to, and she clearly knew about the nixon white house yes which was also interesting to me because i was like well she could have some insight right that they're not paying attention right to and here. that's and they weren't that's what i'm saying the style section reporter got banned like she was the style section mm. and she's so important that the white house chief of staff rang the owner of the Washington Post to personally tell her that the president had personally said that their style section reporter wasn't coming to a freaking wedding. Exactly. Like, so it's, that's, she's doing something right. Exactly. So it would have been interesting if to see more of her. If you're Nixon that much, you're doing something right. Yeah, exactly. So it would have, it would have been interesting to see more of her. Um, yeah, yeah. Instead of just having the one woman in all those scenes. Although it is nice to have one woman in all those scenes, I suppose. Mm. Um, but yeah, and they clearly like Carrie Coons clearly like runs the editorial department, and at one point they say, "Oh, editorial," but then she's actually the one who delivers like the news of the Supreme Court verdict and other. No, important- she doesn't. A man comes in and steals the big thunder, the thunder yeah. right at the. Um, yeah, so she she's got some respect, but also you also see that she isn't fully respected in her role, and she's been given editorial, which people think of as less important than the other sections. Yeah, I mean it is, and um, but then when you know. It comes down to what she's helping as much as anybody else. And mm, mm. Yeah. Um, I, it was just really interesting to see this movie actively engage with gender roles and right. things like that and that thing- existed in this society because the movie is very white and it is very male, but at least it engages with the concept right. that it's very male. And Spielberg. Not that it's very white, but. Yeah. And, and it, what it felt to me like was that Spielberg might have learned something. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I can't prove that because old, rich men like that are not exactly prone to learning quickly or learning these things about the world but it feels like he might have learned something like he might have moved somewhere Mm. in his in his political sort of awareness in terms of what it felt like for women at that time so i i feel like you know the old dog has learned a couple new tricks yeah um i also really like um i mean i really like the way this was shot um there's lots of long lots of long takes and there's some interesting like camera moves and stuff like the the runner for the New York Times, like they zoom up the hallway with him. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, they're doing a zoom. And then also it works really well because the kid is running, running, running to try yeah. and get these things around. And then and the way they 
you know, I'm not a very big fan. Oh, I don't know if I've talked about this with you, but I'm not a big fan of the spinning around people camera. Like when there's and a two you shot. have on the I've radio. Ta- I've talked about this before. It's a Jonathan Frakes trait and it drives me up the wall. But they kind of do it in a really nice way in um, the way they work use Ben Bradley's office, like the way different people walk in and then the camera follows them around and where they all yeah. stand in the office in relation to the boss and when, then the fact that his deputy has a you know, side entrance in and all that sort of thing. It gives you a really, really good sense of space, mm. where everything is in relation to each other, um, so many shots following people into rooms. But oh, at least yeah, but then kind that's of very spielberg But also like the one where the girl drops off, Sasha Spielberg, by the way, drops off the shoebox full of papers and I was terrified I was like oh my god she's bringing a bomb into the newsroom because she was a hippie but she wasn't she was bringing some papers to the journalist the way that follows her through the newsroom and like almost nobody notices her coming in there Mm. and and because it is such a busy room and yeah yeah um I thought for a second you were going to say that Sasha Spielberg was the um the girl who shows um Meryl Streep through no no I was like really no I actually don't know who that girl um, is at the end yeah, no, that uh, the I did like the way it was shot. Somebody, I think, I think the, the, the woman at the end week. is Coral Pena. Okay, on the radio last week, I think somebody said that this is like if Spotlight was directed by somebody who was a good director. <gasps> oh, I'm very mad about that comment because Spotlight is excellent. Well, the thing that I was thinking about because I heard that was Spotlight's much more emotionally involving. Mm-hmm. You never get a sense of real kind of anger or outrage about what's going on here Mm. you do get a sense that they are outraged and angry about what's going on but it's really more about their personal victories over it and like Mm. their search for the truth rather than any kind of justice or emotional kind of response to a lot of this stuff Mm. the spotlight was much more engaged in that idea yeah, and it, and it it was more of an ensemble piece and less of a like there are people stars yeah Yes, it was. I mean, th- that is touched on here. Like, Kay's son has gone off, been off to Vietnam, but he's come back safely. So, I mean, really, the stakes aren't that high. But it's got a much lighter touch than this does. But, yeah. I mean, also, that's not – you don't go to Spielberg for a light touch. You go well, to you Spielberg. You do go to Spielberg for a light touch. But, I mean, well, I don't know if light touch – no, you don't go there for a light touch in terms of, like, subtlety. No, um, that's what I meant. No, like, so, but you, you do go, go for drama. For, yeah. And, and, you know, big scores and big moments and yeah, stuff, yeah. whereas Spotlight doesn't go in for a lot of that stuff until a couple of moments, which makes those moments bigger. Yeah, yeah. But this one, I think, holds your attention all the way through better. Mm. Um, he has a better sense of, like, timing and pacing and editing and when to, like, to just keep you on the hook. Yeah, yeah, and being so Spielberg, I get it. he does some fun things with, like, the actual physical printing of the newspapers. Like, I didn't know how oh, newspapers yeah. were printed. That was fascinating. I did know. Um, but uh, it's still really fun to watch. Yeah, it's, it's really, really fun, fun to watch. To watch. Um, it looks and cool. The, oh, my God. I, like, was so excited by the bit where the, the sub-editor got the pencil out and had to edit the thing. I was like, oh, I love editing. I love, I love it. I love getting a piece of paper and physically editing it with a pencil. And, like, mm. it's, I love that. And I loved watching that. And he was um, sitting there making sure it was all spelled right and all that stuff. It was great. And then writing the headline, of course. I like the shot when Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep are walking out and there's the giant pillars of paper. Yeah, That yeah. was fun. Oh, yeah, that was cool. Like, yeah, he um, he has a really good sense of what's cool in a print, like, facility. Yeah. I mean, it, because this movie is pretty restricted in space, um, I think that it ma- he makes really good use of that. Mm. And it's really 
you know, it is a really well-made movie. It just mm. is. Like, yeah. it's just clearly a very talented person with years of experience making this. Absolutely. Um, with people involved at the top of their game. Like, the reason it's got such a good cast is these actors would have been lining up to do this job. They yeah. probably worked for scale. I mean, not Meryl Streep and, and Tom Hanks, but, like, you know, the Jesse Plemonses and um, Carrie Coons and Alison Brie. And, like, they would have been lining Sarah up Paulson. to work on this. And these are top actors. Like, Sarah Paulson was winning every Emmy last well, year. Well, that's the thing. You were saying that she's, like, what was it, the hero, unsung hero of this movie. I'm like, that could just be Sarah Paulson's tagline yeah. as an actress. Unsung hero of whatever she's in. Right. Except for um, the OJ one where she did win all those awards for that role. Yes. Um, but yeah, she is. She's probably, she's often the unsung hero of things. But like these, you know, Sarah Paulson in another, any other movie, you know, is like, this is an actress at the top of her game. And, yeah. you know, Carrie Coon as well is also doing really well at the moment. Um, and Jesse Plemons, who we keep seeing, he's been in a lot of things we've seen lately too. Yeah. Yeah. He's all, well, he was in that great Black Mirror episode. And he was in Bridge of Spies, which is probably why he's in mm. this. Because I was thinking about that and I was like, oh, that's why, like, there's so many of these people right. from other Spielberg movies who are in this. I saw him in American Made. I really – I thought he was in one of the other Oscar movies this year. So did Apparently I, but – not. No. But, yeah, Jesse Plemons is a bit all over the place at the moment. Mm-hmm. He's a bit of a that guy actor at the moment. Yeah. He was playing a lawyer in this. He never gets to play lawyers. No. It, well, it actually was kind of a good part for him, I think. Yeah, he was really good yeah. in it. I just – he's – because of what he looks like, he plays soldiers and right. most uh, of the he, time. But they're kind of, like – the youthful sort of face that he has sort of suited the lawyer like the fact that this lawyer was had just taken over and was like new and um, yeah there's also something about Jesse Plemons where he manages to combine looking young and looking like the traditional hero but in a kind of weird exaggerated way where he doesn't mm. quite look like that which mm. is why he's so good it, the casting is so good for that black mirror episode mm. but he's got this kind of like like he is the archetypal american hero but like a childish version of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which kind of works for this lawyer role is, because is, that's what he's yeah. doing. He's like, he's kind of being the, no, we have to follow the rules guy. Yeah. Like all the, American good boy. Yeah, exactly. All, all American good boy. He's being the, mm. the snotty good boy in this. So it uses his particular look to a different um, end, but mm. it still works. But yeah, it, there's something else I was going to say. I've forgotten what it was. About actors at the top of their game lining up to be in this movie. <laughs> no, I don't know. I think I was going to say 70s clothes and hair are ugly. <laughs> yes, they are. Glasses so are bad. W- women's hair is just ridiculous. Carrie Coon got away with it okay. Yeah. But she just had it up. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's also like it depends on what sort of head shape you have as to whether like full-on bouffants suit you. Some people they actually really suit and some mm. people they, they do not. Yeah, and it's 71, so it's just coming out of the 60s, kind of big hair, yeah, but the, also mm-hmm. going into that 70s, like... It, yeah, but also big hair, but also, like, women were still expected to wear a skirt and tights and heels at, at work kind of era. That was a, interesting. There's a really, really funny moment. Um, well, not quite expected. Like, it's kind of... You can see the shift that's going on mm. into, like, pants and things rather than, like... It's not. It's still at that point not common for a working woman to wear pants to work. Yeah, you yeah. can you can see that kind of shift in this. Yeah, thing. yeah. But yeah, um, there's this moment. <laughs> so irrelevant. But there was this moment with all the extras in the crowd, and there was a guy with really long hair, and he kept like moving his hand to push the hair over to one side because he'd clearly been told to like look a certain way for the <laughs> shot, and so he kept moving it out of the way. Oh, so dear. The, <laughs> it was really funny to me. It just 
entertained me. Like he didn't um, didn't know how to work his Because it's supposed to be – well, no, I think it was his hair, but like – I think they were just pulling people in as extras. Yeah, for like yeah. Who, you, if you kind of look like a hippie, be in this. Yeah, yeah. But I think his hair kept like he had to keep it because it was blowing and it was would go into <laughs> the camera, like or block Aww. the shot of Meryl Streep. So he had to like keep it, it out of the way. <laughs> it was really funny. It's so oh, like no. pointless, but it was just because the shot was kind of moving in through this crowd to Meryl Streep. Yeah, yeah. And this guy had all this hair, so he kept trying to like keep it out of the way of the shot of Meryl Streep. These are the moments you live for in these movies. I know. It just really entertained me in that little moment because clearly the director's trying to do a thing and your hair is getting in the way of it is funny to me. And so not the focus of the movie, but it is interesting. I love that Bob Odenkirk line where he said, I always wanted to be part of a small rebellion. Oh, my God. Wasn't it great? I think he might be the unsung hero of this movie. Something out of Star Wars. I love that. Yeah. I love that line. It was really cool. It was really kind. But it's so, like – such a subtle, small kind of comment because but he means so much. Like he's not really an over the top guy. Yeah. And it's it's a kind of like a I've just I've been a good guy, I've lived my life, I've done yeah. the right thing. But you know what? Sometimes I've I've always really wanted to be part of a small rebellion. Yeah, and it's you, you just get the sense that he's the guy who's just been this career journalist who is now getting this moment. Mm. Just like the other main characters in this movie, except for Tom Hanks. Um, whose learning process is actually just understanding that his boss has more at stake than he, he does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is yeah, interesting. Yeah. He yeah. has to be taken down a peg or in this movie, right. whereas um, Bob Odenkirk's throughline is actually quite similar to um, Kay Graham's. Yeah, in that he's got a that kind of confidence thing of of like he doesn't want to speak up at first, but then he can't not. Yeah, he has to learn how to be brave, and he even says to Matthew Reese, you know. When Matthew Reese says, wouldn't you go to jail for it? And Matthew Reese is the idealist, you know. Yeah, and he the- says, theoretically. Yeah, exactly. And I, I love that because I feel like that. Yeah. Like, I'm not the person. I'm not leaking. I'm not I'm not that person. I'm, I'm like the vast majority of people in that I like my comfortable life and my job and all that sort of stuff. And, like, I, I find that sort of stuff very hard. And then that touches again on that. You've got to have a certain type of person to do this kind of leaking, and they they have an ego, whoever it is, like and a sense of drama. That's exactly what it is. It's this kind of he doesn't see himself as that person, but he has no, to become and that person. And he has person to do it anyway over the course of the movie. So yeah, I think he might be the unsung hero of this movie, yeah. really. Um, and he does everything so well, and he's just so kind of relatable in that sense. So mm. I like that this movie had. Also, you you don't get confused as to who's who too much mm-hmm. in spite of this having such a big cast of mostly s- white dudes. Yeah, and so many characters and so many names that get thrown at you that you're expected to know from the real historical names from the era. Yeah. I got a bit mixed up at the beginning because I kept thinking there was a, there's another name that's – oh, I kept thinking that Neil Sheeran, mm. who I don't think we see. No, I don't think Was do Dan Ellsberg. Mm. And I was like, was he a journalist? Like, but yeah. why would he be reporting on his own? Like, cause we don't, cause we don't see that mm. character. It was a bit confusing to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I knew it wasn't Michael Stuhlbarg because he was the editor and he, he was well, called well, A. Well, also, he, he's clearly set up as Mr. Rosenthal. Like, they have, Kay has dinner with him and his no, wife. No, it's before that that I was confused. Oh, right. But we see him being, like, the, the information go to him and they call mm-hmm. him Abe and she talks about Abe and I put that together. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, it's just these these things where I was just like, wait, who is this guy? Who's mm. Neil? 
We yeah. never see Neil, right? Do we right. see Neil? I and, don't and remember. We also, he's ref- no, and he's referred to by his last name, Sheen, like through the most of it as well. Right. So I was like, is that Matthew Reese's character? Yeah. Is and so when they write names, Neil, maybe? you're like, it takes you a bit. Yeah. I got a bit confused. It's all very con- Yeah. Anyway. We should rate this movie because we've yeah, been yeah. talking for a long time. Um. Yeah. Oh, God. It was really good. Um. Mm. I- I'm probably going to give it one of my four and a half stars. Yeah, me too. I think I'll give it four and a half stars. It just didn't it didn't have the impact of a lot of the other Oscar movies I think this year. No. I'm kind of hoping it doesn't take over because there's so many interesting movies this year that aren't made by people with as much prestige as this movie is. Yeah. That are doing more kind of um boundary pushing things yes. that are more inve- like um because this is very much about something important, but it's still all white guys and it's still mm. investigating ideas that are a little old-fashioned yes, like the Academy can be. And I'm really hoping that they branch out and look at different ideas yeah, and people who are doing things that are a little different, a little quirky, a little weird, because mm. that's what this movie is this year has been in movies to yeah. me, like di- things that are different but still really yeah. great. And this is and not this that. is very traditional in yeah. a lot of ways. It's, tradi- it's a really, really well-made traditional film. Exactly. But it is not – breaking no it's not it's not breaking any molds yeah um yeah okay thank you very much for listening to the silver screen queens podcast if you would like to find the show notes or old episodes they're on our website silverscreenqueens.com if you want to um find us on social media we're at screen underscore queens on twitter facebook.com forward slash silver screen queens and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on tumblr thank you for listening bye bye